You're listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List Online. And my name, of course, is Andrew Mackay-Smith. Hope you're well, wherever you might be listening from, wherever you are in the world, because I have an extraordinary guest for you. It's Jean-Jacques Burnell from the UK Outfit, the UK Originals, The Stranglers. This guy is one of the most innovative and pioneering bass players of all time, in my humble opinion. And the reason for the chat with Jean-Jacques is to promote The Stranglers' February 2020 Tour of Australia. I'll read out the dates. On the 5th, which is a Wednesday, they're playing in Perth at the Astor Theatre. Friday the 7th, they're playing at the Forum in Melbourne. Saturday the 8th, the Enmore Theatre. Great little place. Well, it's not so little, but great theatre, that one there in Sydney. Sunday the 9th of Feb, I'll be at the Tivoli in Brisbane to witness the spectacle. And finally, Adelaide, you get a show at the Gov on Tuesday the 11th. So here he is, the very legendary Jean-Jacques Brunel from The Stranglers. Mackay Smith calling for Jean-Jacques if he's available. Yeah, speaking. Hi. Hi, Andrew. How are you doing? Uh, I'm very good. And look, I've got to tell you, you're somebody, I'm just let me fan out for a moment if you don't mind, but you're somebody, I'm a bass player, <laughs> right? So I, I've been looking okay. forward to the opportunity. I never thought it would happen, to be honest with you, to have a chat to you. Um, I, I reveal well, your sound and just what for what you did for us bass guitarists because I think and a lot of most of the people who listen to my podcast series uh, a lot of them are musicians and they do get that the bass has been something that's pushed to the side many times and these days you've got these noodly fancy pants bassists who play eight string basses and all the rest of it but they don't have, <laughs> you know what I mean but yeah but they yeah, don't have your probably... groove they don't have your groove and and that's the point, mate. So I know I know I've sort of opened out of the bang here, but you know you've done so much for the bass guitar, and I just want to thank you for it. Well, thanks very much. Where where are you speak uh, calling me from, Andrew? Gold Coast, a uh, bit sort of oh. sub, subtropical Queensland, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Queensland. Have you been spared the uh, bushfires up there? Yes, thankfully we have. Yeah, it was uh, predominantly down in Sydney. Bloody Sydney really copped yeah. it this time around, and Melbourne is now copying. Yeah, it's just yeah. been. Um, all right, mate, we get them every year, truth be told, but this year was, um, you know, with climate change and the agenda and the, the ferocity of uh, the... I know, it's, 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 it's absolutely fantastical. We've uh, been uh, absolutely gobsmacked. I mean, I live in France and they've been covering mm. it a hell of a lot in France. All the fires, um, you know, in southern Australia, uh, New South Wales and Victoria... But, I mean, I remember there was big, big flooding in Queensland a few years back. Yeah, we copped it then. Believe me, um, I got a body corp and one of, I got a unit in the city and um, the basement car park got flooded with the river overflowing. Yeah. And bloody Brisbane's built in the wrong spot. It should have been out at Ipswich at the end of the river. But, of course, commerce ruled in favour of uh, putting it on a swamp, basically. And, um, <laughs> you know, 150, 180 years later... <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Yeah, I love Brisbane, yeah. believe me, but it's it's built in the wrong spot and it's hot and bloody, you know, not yeah. a lot of wind gets to it. You know how it is. Yeah, yeah. No, I, we've been to Brisbane a few times. Had a few problems there in the very early days. The first time we ever came to Australia hmm. uh, because there was the, the, I think the premier was called Joe Bielke-Peterson. Yeah, he's a bastard, yeah. Yeah, yeah. well, we, we encountered some of, um, of that. Uh, we experienced it firsthand. Um, Doesn't surprise me. He really had it in for bands for some reason. Don't know what it was. Yeah, well, they he had I think SPG or Special Patrol Group, Police Group or something, and they came um, 
disguised in civvies and then they attacked us on stage at um I think it was called a hotel called the Queen's Hotel or something. Uh, probably in the valley there, was it? Do you remember? I mean, it's probably a I long time ago. I maybe. can't remember where it was, but it was uh, it was a venue at the time, hmm. and uh, we had you know we had to d- disperse in confusion. Ended up um, in our hotel, then had to go across the uh, state line. I think the cops were after us, and and then we you know there were I think at the time. Hmm. Uh, groups of three or more people were constituted an illegal gathering, and um, I think the Aboriginals were treated pretty badly at that time during the very draconian, mate. During the seventies and eighties, here, yeah, it was. Yeah, um, yeah, that's right. Was it the Country Party or the? Um, yeah, the no, the national. It? They're called the Country Party. Same thing. Yeah, I know you you guys call it the Country Party, but National Party here, it's exactly the same thing because you know our system okay. is system. Yeah, and there was gerrymandering because. The, am I correct in thinking that the votes of yep, the yep, farmers point. Were, were outweighed the votes of the city people or something? And well, there was more electorates. There was more electorates in the country areas, and they had the equal amount of say as to what the more populous city areas did. And right. exactly the same thing that they're talking about in the states with this electoral college uh, business. Yeah. Uh, with Trump being able to get in uh, as he did, you know, without the support of the popular vote, if you like. Well, that was happening yeah, yeah. constantly here in Queensland. And he, the problem with Joe Bjelke-Peterson, he was basically a dictator, really. He was an autocrat. Yeah. And he was yeah. knocking down beautiful old buildings in the middle of the night without any That's consultation. Right. And then he was bashing up you guys and people were really? jack of it. Yeah, I mean, people were jack yeah. of it, mate, you know, and... and it was even football players used to cop it, mate. Like nobody was, you know, rugby league and rugby union players. I'm talking about used to cop it. Yeah. It felt like nobody was immune from it. You know, if you, there was this um, amazing, and there was all these illegal gambling and illegal prostitution, all the usual stuff you get when you've got an oligarch like that. You know, yeah, yeah. Ruling with an iron fist. Yeah, well, fortunately, um, long gone. But yeah, it, it made a, a deep impression on us. In fact, we wrote a few songs about it. And Is that right? At the time. Yeah, What's, yeah. What song was There that? was one song on an album called uh, The Raven, a uh, song called um, uh, Nuclear Device. Nuclear, okay, all right. Okay. And um, in fact, uh, the, art, the original artwork for it had a caricature of Joe Bielke Peterson. Nice. On the lyrics, beside the lyrics of the original artwork, and I think there were moves to um, ban that. But so some copies of the album, of the artwork were released with him on it, and others weren't. But it was basically about him selling off land um, for uranium yes. um, yeah. mining and pushing um, Aboriginals off their um, their lands. Yeah. And also, I think at the time, at the time there was. Um, the Gold Coast uh, was built up, um, mm-hmm. and these high rises were uh, fucking up the the daylight, and um, they were right on the beaches. And um, he would sold all that those rights to Japanese developers and everything. I remember all of this, mate. Yeah, this is all you know. My my formative years as a kid, growing up, and my first introduction to news media was hearing these stories. And uh, yeah, you're right. I live. I'm from the Gold Coast, so I live here, and and I've seen it go from, you know. I wouldn't say seaside shanty town, but you know what I'm saying. It was certainly just a place yeah, yeah, where sure, yeah. we we had a few high rises to basically a city nowadays of well over six hundred thousand yeah. people. Um, yeah, it's incredible, mate. There's so, so many people moving up from Sydney and Melbourne because yeah. Sydney and Melbourne, probably similar to London and Paris, is it's 
not it's very hard to live there if you're sort of earning less than a hundred thousand dollars a year well it's overpriced yeah it's yeah. overpriced and um overcrowded um i remember uh going up doing a little road trip up to noosa nice beautiful from brisbane yeah so that's a good drive yeah i'm um i spent a lot of time up there too i've worked up there uh and also cairns okay. too and I, I rate it very highly up there it's um it's not not very urbane which is nice you know it's still got that yeah. country rural flavor yeah yeah and burham head there i think burham, burham head or um oh god you might yeah there's so many to be honest yeah I've, I've yeah got, yeah I, I'm but noosa yeah yeah yeah, Noosa, you right. wouldn't recognise it now from when you were there last, actually, I've got to say. Right. Okay. It's very, um, like a lot of Sydney and Melbourne money being poured into it. Um, oh, right. So okay. we call it, locals call it, you know, the most, well, some locals call it the most northern suburb of Sydney. <laughs> because <I'm> sorry, okay. <laughs> because of what right. it's like there, you know, it's a bit different now. <laughs> okay, you okay. Know. So... But mate, this uh, this tour, yeah, I mean, you know, you, you're very familiar to Australian audience, and you, and you are beloved, and I'm, I really hope you know that, and that other interviewers have said that to you, mate, because you. Well, well, yeah, we found we have found an audience in in Australia, and um, they're really well informed, and we've had just lovely, um, great. Uh, what's the word? Communion. Mm. You know, when it, when you get on well with the uh, people. Uh, Everything is um, what? What's the term? Uh, symbiotic relationship. Yeah. We both get something from it, and we we really enjoy playing to Australian audiences. That's why we've come more often in recent years. I mean, yeah, it's been great for many yeah. years. We were kind of persona non grata because um, promoters didn't want to touch us because of all the hassles we had in the early days. Mm. That seems to have passed, you know. Yeah, of course, and and. Look, I mean, I've got to ask because, I mean, you really, uh, apart from being pioneers, you survive as, as well, I think, as it's got to be said, because there's very few bands from your era when you first broke and really did all those wonderful stiff stuff that you did back in the 70s and 80s that are still around and still going and relatively intact, it's got to be said. A lot of bands like the, you guys are nothing like the Beach Boys, but you know what I'm saying? Mike loves up yeah. making a ton of money and everybody else is gone or doesn't want to have anything to do with it, but not with you guys. You know, and, well, we, we were lucky um, in as much as the personalities didn't clash in this band. And also, we eliminated one of those horrible reasons for bands to, to change amongst themselves. Hmm. In other words, um, you know, I've seen, I've seen it happen so many times. Uh, you get one guy who tends to write more than the others... And so he gets more royalties, then he gets more attention. Mm -hmm. And then the dynamic between former friends changes. You know, you start out as equals, as mates, and then one person or two get on the ascendancy and it changes the dynamic and you get, uh, you get jealousy and it, all it's to do with is money and ego. And if you can eliminate that from day one, you're all on the same path and everyone has their own um i don't know job within yeah. the, the group of people you know and and so they they're all invest in it emotionally yes. equally yeah. yeah but what why do you think 
a lot of it's a tough question to answer i appreciate that but you guys obviously took a more uh inclusive route where everybody had an opportunity to uh have a say and, and that's really obvious with yourself uh and the wonderful baselines that you could craft that really nobody else is doing in the era you were really the guy but but a lot of the other bands yeah it's very ego driven i think there's really yourselves and iron maiden that were, were prepared to sort of give people uh, an opportunity to have a say but did you did you observe that in the bands that were going on around you that there was always this figurehead and everybody else better fall in line or get out? Yeah, we always saw that, and um, I thought, well, from day one, if ever we were fortunate enough to get a, a contract, that we would not have that. We we'd eliminate it from day one, hmm. so that we could all you know um, all go in the same direction together and um, hopefully equally. Yeah, so it's it's worked out. That so we've eliminated one big reason for people to fall out. I mean, another reason for people to fall out is they just don't bounce off each other anymore. They don't yeah. inspire each other, and they're not. And 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 that and that's fair enough. You know, it's a creative reason. And if you can't, if you just don't have any inspiration from the people around you anymore, then you should go. You know, you shouldn't stay just for financial economic reasons well the, the other thing too and you've, we've alluded to it when we're talking about what happened to you here in brisbane but you know you guys never took any shit from anybody so there was you always reminded me you had that 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 gang a street gang you know you guys weren't you guys yeah. were you know when i say gangster you know i know it gets thrown around but nobody really messed with you guys and got away with it so my, my, they my, certainly did not no no well, we, we, you know, we, <laughs> one of the reasons i suppose was uh, I mean, personalities involved but also because at one point uh, we felt part of something and then uh, that something sort of rejected us so we were kind of ghettofied um, oh, yeah. so it was us against everyone else so which was in the short term it hurt us a bit but in the long term it sort of gave us um, an autonomy which mm. a lot of the other bands from that period lost so we could experiment, we could do what we wanted, we didn't have to follow the party line, we didn't have to behave in a way that uh, was expected of us and just be ourselves and so try to, I don't know, to see how far our limited talents could take <laughs> us and being, and being yeah. fans of not just one genre of music, you know, if you like music, you 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 sort of delve into every aspect of it and sure. um, yeah. uh, every style of music. And um, and if you're a musician, you want to be able to play something like that. Oh, yeah, that's a Nicely Brothers thing. Oh, how does that go? Or mm. that's um, a bit of jazz. Oh, cool. I wish I could. So you, you push yourself, uh, hopefully, anyway, creatively, as far as you can go. You see how you far you go. The danger is when you have success with one of those things, that there's pressure on you to follow it up with the same kind of thing, which mm. never really appealed to us because, you know, you always think, you know, in the earlier days, certainly you always thought, well, it could be the last record, it could be our last tour, so yeah, let's yeah. see how what we can do, you know. Um, you know, this is an opportunity which you might not have again. That's such a good way to look at it, isn't it? You know, and you sort of really value that opportunity then, don't you, if you're sort of taking it from the perspective. And that, that actually does come across in the urgency 
of your music, I think, now that you say that. You know, this is why these conversations, I think, are so crucial for somebody like myself who's been following you for so long. And But but I also have to ask because, I mean, I'm going to talk about this bass thing for for a little bit, if that's okay, because it's... Sure, yeah, no, go ahead. You've done you've done such a superb job with it, as I've already mentioned, but how much of it was, was by design? Uh, or, you know you know what I'm saying, did, did these ideas for these wonderful bass lines... Did, were they just pulled from the ether and they were there, or did you really have to sit down and hammer it out and come up with them? Well, some of them uh, were just seemed completely natural from um, from having been a you know, done classical guitar beforehand. Mm. But others, um, I just wanted to. Sometimes um, ego played a part. I just wanted something that would other bass players might um, sit back and be all awesome nice. find awesome other <laughs> so i was trying to be too clever for my own good sometimes but you know um also you you think cool wonder what how i can do that how could i do that and i mean melody has always been uh, melody and and syncopation have always been what dominated my playing anyway um mm. yeah so the look just a, a quick roll call the driving riff in peaches the intro on the chorus for No More Heroes. I've spent many hours going over that intro for No More Heroes, by the way. Um, on the on the G string. It's on the G string. Okay, thank you. There you go. Because just about everybody online, I think, has got it wrong, or they attempt different versions of it, as you know. If you've seen some of the, it's some on of the, the it's on the G string, starting on the octave, and then you just you just yeah. go down. Yeah, <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, and I, I, probably my favourite, um, my my favourite. I, I guess you'd call it a line that you did, you know, is this the solo accompaniment to walk on by. I could listen to that all the time. And I, I don't, to be honest, oh, I play that differently every night when we play. I think we'll play, probably play it in um, Australia because I love playing that. Oh, we it was originally, uh, originally the template for that um, and not just the bass part, but the whole solo part in that was um, uh, the doors light my fire. Okay. And right. when we were, uh, you know, starting out, you know, when you start out as a young band, you um, you wear your influences on your sleeve. So, you know, you, <laughs> if you um, started out wanting to be, a, I don't know, Iron Maiden uh, <laughs> copyist or, or whatever, or mm. whoever, whatever, you, um, it, it's quite obvious. Your influences are quite obvious. And until you develop your own identity and your own voice, you know, you're copying a bit mm. to a certain extent. So, you know, in the early days before we had any record contract, we were playing Walk On By um, and it just got longer and longer and we started developing stuff and it, it helped us develop um, a certain um, musicality. Um, and then we were always competing with each other in the band to see what clever things we could do, what clever and interesting things we could do during that solo. Mm. And I'm still discovering new new lines. Wow. When I play Walk On By, um, sometimes with two or three strings playing together discordantly. So, nice. you know, it's yeah. um, it's um, it's a useful tool, you know, just working over two chords, but trying to see what you can do timing-wise and me melodically-wise. Yeah, well, you, I mean, you're, you're, the, you're the master at it. I mean, I was watching Adam Clayton and you 2 the other night. They toured here and... Uh, I reckon, mate, I mean, I haven't read this and I haven't, I've certainly got no, this is just my own interpretation of things, but, mate, I reckon he studied your playing. 
You know that? Uh, well, he has. He he actually said so in a, in a video last year. Oh, there you go. Um, yeah. Someone sent me a video of a TV interview, and he was saying, well, I'm trying to do it like J.J. Burnell. Yeah, there you he go. Said, and he said, yeah. Uh, he said, yeah, I've got someone sent it to me, because they thought I'd be interested. He says, he says uh, it's uh, based on J.J. Burnell. Have you, have you heard of him? It's from a band called Strangers. <laughs> Yeah, isn't that interesting? Isn't it? Because I always thought that. I always thought that since I've been a young kid, just playing away on a bloody P-based copy, it was like. So Adam Clayton borrowed this from somebody. I know he did because you know nobody's. You know these big bands generally aren't the most original bands. And I remember finding you guys and then hearing um, Peaches in particular, and and oh, maybe um, maybe the chorus in No More Heroes. And I'm like, oh, I know where he's got this from now. And and the P-based thing as well. Even the way he holds it is similar to you. All right. You know, well, the same with Peter Hook, um, who who oh, never yeah. denies. He's always saying, uh, citing me, which is really uh, sweet of him, because in the early days, no one wanted to be connected with the Stranglers at all. Uh, we were kind of the local lepers. But uh, now people are coming out the woodwork and saying um, stuff, which I, I appreciate. Mm. Hey, I better do a time check. Um, have I got time for one or two more questions? Is that cool? Yeah, go ahead, mate. Yeah. Look, I, I read online, and there are some videos out there of you doing this and participating in this, but you found martial arts many years ago. And, and I understand you're also a British champion as well, so correct me if I'm wrong on that front. But I know Mick Jagger gets right into it as well, but I can't help but think, mate, given your... I mean, you still look fit as a bloody ox, mate. Is this what's, <laughs> is this what's given you your staying power over all of these years when so many have gone by the way? Well, it, it, <laughs> well, it, it it can't do any harm, can it? It, it helps. I mean, mm. you know, as you get older, you, you get, say, aches and pains. And um, when I train um, and fight, uh, I sometimes get hurt. And, um, you know, just, so I suffer the same as anyone else. And, and damage lasts longer. But, yeah, it does help. It, it helps mentally and, and physically, you know. Mm. You know, when you... Yeah. <laughs> You know, as a musician, and you know, probably know this. You know, you, it's, it's, you're not always on an upward trajectory, so you have ups yes. and downs. And if you're in a band like Stranglers who've experimented stuff, so you don't re try not to repeat yourself. So you know, you, you you build up an audience, and suddenly you let them down because they don't like the next thing, your mm. next offering. You have to be a, have to have this inherent contradiction which is if you're a musician you've got to have some kind of sensitivity and empathy with stuff you know you're sensitive mm. but on the other hand to to survive all the knockbacks and the ups and downs you have to have a bit of a thick skin so how do you know that's the, the inherent contradiction in being an artist in general or a musician um and you know it's not always plain sailing as you know so mm. Um, oh, it's, it's bloody hard, mate, at the end of the day. I, I really admire you guys is, for yeah. doing what you've done and, and keeping at it because I, I, I feel that music is as important as, uh, as food in a lot of ways. I mean, I know it's not a critical yes, it thing, is. but it's, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely, yeah. Uh, without it, uh, societies where, which ban it, um, and there are some societies which ban music, mm -hmm. um, they are ready to explode. Mm. They are indeed. Yeah, it's a bit like that, actually. Actually, I, I will. I'll go there and I'll ask you this. We talk, you know, talking about society and the world at large. But you know, you, you're always a band that has had something important to say, and I thank you for that as well. But you know, in in 2020, we've got 
Brexit, not that this is that important, but Harry and Meghan leaving the UK and his royal duties, the royal duties, and, and of course what I think and believe our particular epoch, where we're living right now, will be most likely associated with, and that's the administration of one Donald J. Trump and the US federal election that's coming up later in this yeah. year, and Bedlam's already... You know, it's already yeah. chaotic over in the United States at the moment, the poor bastards. But yeah. but do, do you think that we're in a better place now than we were when you first started, when you're up on those stages in your late teens and early 20s? No, I don't. Um, and I think uh, the overriding problem has been, and has been for quite a while, is that um, the West... In, you know the West in general, and I include Australia as part of the West, really. Mm-hmm. Although I know it's the Pacific, it's, it's more aligned to the Pacific these days. But the mm-hmm. West has always imposed its views on the rest of the world. That created Africa, that created Iraq, it created uh, Africa in the last century. You know, in mm. sort of Belgium dividing, yeah. Um, yeah, imposing stuff, yeah. Uh, so-called. Uh, democracy and Christianity on societies which didn't know this at all. It hadn't taken 2,000 years to get to some point. So and, and then the Americans over the last few decades imposing their view of democracy on countries which weren't ready for it. So they wanted re- regime change and finding an excuse to, um, in, you know, to uh, opening cans of worms, whether it was in North Africa, in Libya, or or uh, Iraq, or, or, you know, everywhere in the world, imposing this world view. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's been a real, real danger, I think. Um, that's opened up so many cans of worms. So, uh, do are we in a safer place than when we started now? I don't think so. Um, Mm-hmm. I think the world is uh, fracturing, um, and it's also, uh, uh, I don't know, you've probably noticed this, but the, the retreat of democracy, um, it's being assailed by all these strong men everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Know, what do you think, what's your view on, country? What, I know, I, you spend a lot of your time, I understand you spend a lot of time in, in France, and uh, I should say, je ne parle pas beaucoup de français, on peut pas seulement. Not bad, I understood what you said there. <laughs> Thank you. Don't speak too good French, but that's okay. Oh, there we go. <laughs> um, as a kid, I used to go to New Caledonia, you see, with my, uh, my grandparents. Oh, right, yeah, which is a French uh, uh, dom-tom. Yeah, and and of course they they didn't speak English, and uh, I had to learn how to speak or get by, try to get by anyway. Okay. So I'd point. What were we doing in New Caledonia? Um, my my grandparents used to just holiday there. I think it was because he was in the my grandfather was in the army, and he, he liked being over there okay. and catching up with some people that were over there. And um, yeah. we just it was just honestly it was just because it's nearby. It's only two thousand k's away from me here. It's so close. You know, oh right, okay. Hour and a half away. You know, it's not too far. Um, yeah. But uh, but I, I noticed, you know, with the um, there's been more protests in in France and in Paris. I think just yesterday, I think yeah. it was, you know, and and a lot of that has got to do with regular people feeling as though they're having their everyday rights being taken away from us. Now that's my take. Absolutely. On it. Is that yeah? Is that yeah. how you see it as well? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, although it does um, tap into a very conservative streak in France, uh, in as much as um, they. There, are, there are needs. There's a need for reform on quite a few fronts, and of course, no one wants to have things taken away from them. 
which is part of the problem because uh, there are special, special. Um, for instance, at the moment, it's a pension reform in France, so okay, yeah. a lot of people uh, don't want certain privileges taken away from them, uh, which they acquired because of a specific status. For instance, um, the um, train drivers used to have to put tons of coal into their locomotives, and mm. that was a hard job, so they were they could retire much earlier than other people. Um, and of course they don't need to do that anymore they don't have to put coal into um, the the furnaces so they just press buttons and it's all electrical Mm. so um, they want to preserve that special pension status for instance and there there are quite a few um, there are quite a few exceptions so um, those people don't want to lose them and plus the fact that Mitterrand um, when he was head of the Socialist Party and the president of France, mm-hmm. he doubled the number of bureaucrats oh, yeah. um, so that they would they would be beholden uh, to the state. You're a smart fellow. Oh, that's been happening here in Queensland, actually, uh, in the state government here. It's uh, it's yeah, that's yeah, that's one of the negative effects of having a large bureaucracy. Of course, is that all these families and households are reliant on the government. Then, so of course they're beholden to it. And I, I don't think people yeah. see it the way you've articulated it. So so. So beautifully there, because that's exactly how it is when the state starts employing people. Um, yeah, exactly. Well, imagine if the state employed everyone, which in some countries they did. Well, so, uh, yeah, then you get you get complete, uh, you know, I don't know, paralysis, really. Yeah, yeah, very true, mate. Yeah, well, look, all sage words there. I'd I'd better let you head off, mate. And uh, look, I just want to read. Okay, well, again. thanks. Lovely, lovely string to you, Andrew. Yeah, likewise, mate. Just thank you for doing what you've done as a musician and as, and as a fella up there on stage. I'll certainly be in the audience when you tour. Oh, thanks. Well, maybe we'll get a chance to have a tinny or something. Oh, that'd be awesome, man. Yeah, I'll see, see what John can arrange. <laughs> well, the, t- the Tivoli's a pretty cool place. I like the Tivoli. That's, I think Tivoli's, that's where we're playing in Brisbane. Yeah, best place to play in Brisbane, I reckon, that one. It's a beautiful old building. It's been around for years and uh, the sound is yeah. great. The sound is great in there. Yeah, yeah, it's good, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Well, all the very best. Nice, nice speaking to you. Likewise, mate. No worries at all. Take okay. care, Andrew. Catch you. All the best, Mike. Thanks, babe. You've been listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List Online. And, of course, my name's Andrew Mackay-Smith. That interview subject was the very legendary Jean-Jacques Burnell from the UK outfit, The Stranglers. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>